Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Human Performance Outliers podcast with Zach Bitter. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Human Performance Outliers podcast. I am your host, Zach Bitter, and today I am bringing you a guest interview. Today's guest is Jackie Hunt Burisma. Jackie first came to my attention when I was preparing for a 100-mile treadmill effort back during the pandemic in May of 2020. And I quickly learned that Jackie had also just recently ran 100 miles on a treadmill. The biggest difference was Jackie has actually been both a cancer survivor and has a prosthetic on one of her legs. So she had a few extra hurdles to get over compared to me while taking on any of her running efforts and certainly it was something she had to be mindful of when preparing for running 100 miles on a treadmill as well as the vast variety of other things she's done within the running world her story is incredibly inspirational and it is just fascinating to me to think that jackie wasn't even a runner before she had cancer and the prosthetic so she took on running when a lot of the odds were stacked against her she's literally about to finish a huge project as she began earlier this year so she set out this year to tackle 100 marathons in 100 days so her obligations for this project essentially is for every 24-hour period of time she has to knock out a full marathon there has been some interesting things that have happened along the way something that would make most people i think quit so you're going to want to pay attention to some of the stories that she has especially when we talk about some of her most uh challenging sections of this project so far one of the reasons why i'm releasing this episode now is when i spoke with jackie she was i 90 some days into her into her project and she is about to hit 100 today so if you listen to this head over to jackie's social profiles and congratulate her on an incredible achievement and, and give her a follow she's just a fun interesting person i draw a ton of motivation from her i think you probably will too so let's welcome jackie onto the human performance outliers podcast and hear more about her story before we get rolling though folks if you want to help support the human performance outliers podcast there are a few ways you can do it one simple free way to do it is simply sharing liking and subscribing to the show on your favorite podcast listening platform or on youtube you can let your friends and family know if you find an episode you like and think they'll enjoy this goes a long way for helping me grow the show and reach more listeners Another way is through the show's Patreon page. The show's Patreon page offers some perks, including ad-free audio and early release. So if you'd like to check out the episodes before they go public or cut right to the chase and get into the content, you can go over to the show's Patreon page and subscribe there. If you don't really like the third-party application stuff and subscribing on Patreon, but you do want to support the show monetarily, you can also do one-time donations on my website. Both the show Patreon page and one-time donations can be found at zachbetter.com forward slash HPO. Another great way to support the Human Performance Outliers podcast is through the show sponsors. If one of the show sponsors is offering a product that you'd like to check out, going through the show is a great way to let them know that I sent you there. This episode's sponsors include my friends at Ice Barrel. Ice Barrel makes a sleek, compact, easy-to-use cold water immersion product so you can experience the benefits of cold therapy from the convenience of your home, even if you don't have a lot of extra space. 
It is also easy to transport compared to most static cold water immersion options. So if you want to set up for a group offsite, the ice barrel is a great option. Personally, I recently began incorporating cold water immersion into my routine more frequently. My primary purposes are if I'm blocking workouts close together and want to help my body close the small gap between the two sessions. An example of this would be if I do like short intervals in the morning and then head to the gym to do lower body strength later that day. I also enjoy hopping into cold water for the mood and brain function effects. When getting out of cold water, it sort of feels like a shot of caffeine. So if I'm feeling a bit sluggish, it is a quick, fun way to hit the reset button. Using the ice barrel makes this easy. Once filled with water, you can either add ice or do what I do and keep some freezer packs ready to throw in the barrel before jumping in. If you want to check out for yourself the benefits of cold water immersion, Ice Barrel is offering HPO listeners $125 off your next order. Just head over to icebarrel.com forward slash HBO. That is I-C-E-B-A-R-R-E-L.com forward slash HPO, and it will automatically take $125 off your order. You can also throw in promo code HPO, and that will get you the discount as well. Also supporting the show are my friends at Ultimate Direction. Ultimate Direction is my go-to when it comes to packs, vests, handhelds, and belts to carry water and gear when heading out for runs, hikes, walks, or really any time I'm on the move and out and need a little bit of extra storage. Whether you're looking for a lot of storage or just an easy ergonomic bottle to carry water, UD has you covered. My go-to products on their lineup at the moment include the Fast Draw 300 handheld water bottle, the Race Vest, and the Race Belt. If you head to their website at ultimatedirection.com, you can check out their lineup and see some pics of me and Jackie using their gear. They have also recently added a new lineup of apparel, so if you're good on the hydration and storage stuff but want to check out some apparel, they have you covered there as well. I've been using their Ultra Jacket the most recently. It works great for cooler days, windy conditions, and even rain. So ultimatedirection.com is where you can find all of their stuff. Links to these episode sponsors can be found in the show notes, or you can find all Human Performance Outlier sponsors at zackbetter.com forward slash HPO sponsors. Today, I would say we have a, a very true to the word performance outlier guest coming on the show. Jackie, thank you for taking some time and coming coming on to chat yeah thank you for having me on I'm, I'm excited to be here yeah you know you have such an interesting story in general when it comes to like what you do in running minus what you're currently trying to do so for for my listeners who are maybe less familiar with uh, kind of your story do you want to just give us a little bit of an introduction of kind of what uh what your deal is kind of how you got into running and things like that okay. and and then obviously some of the hurdles that's come along with that yep um, I'm an amputee, um, lost my leg to cancer quite a few years ago. Um, I took up running, um, what, five and a half years ago. Um, it was just a kind of situation where um, I'd seen everyone else do it and I was like, why can't I do it and gave it a try. Um, and obviously as an amputee, it's a little bit harder. Um, there's so many obstacles kind of in the way just to get you running. Um, and you need expensive prosthetics and it's kind of, it, it's all that, but I was, I was, I was super, I'm my, my personality, I'm like super stubborn. Um, so if people say I can't do it, I want to do it. And that's kind of how I got into the running thing. And originally the plan with running was that I was just going to do 5k. Um, 
And I'm also, again, a person that's all or nothing. So I'm like 100% the other way. And so with running, I started 5Ks and then just build up the distance really, really quickly. And then I got, um, I did my first marathon and just kind of just did all these races and stuff. And I got a little bit bored with road running. And then I decided, well, I'm going to give trail running a, a, a go. And of course, everyone was like, oh, no, you shouldn't be doing trail running as an amputee because it's dangerous and you're going to fall and stuff. And of course, my personality again is like, well, then I'm going to show you what I can do. <laughs> and so my first trail race was a 40 miler um, in North Carolina, um, which was fantastic experience. Um, I'm not sure why I didn't just do a 10K, but I had to go ultra as my first <laughs> first trail race. Um, and then it's just kind of just like that. I just kind of just started pushing boundaries. Um, and then I did 100 miles on a treadmill, um, which you know what it's like doing 100 miles on one, a yeah. treadmill. <laughs> And yeah, and that's kind of my story. I just kind of like pushing the limits and seeing how far I can push my body because I just, I'm kind of, I'm a big believer in that we can do a lot more than what we think we can. Um, there is always more to give. There is always more. You can push yourself a lot more than what you actually think you can. Yeah, it was kind of interesting when, uh, when I did my 100 mile on the treadmill, I think that's when I first uh, really got to kind of hear about your story because uh -huh. I was talking to the folks at Norda Track about the setup like, oh, you should check out Jackie. She just did one, uh, just did one recently. And uh, we were also kind of lining up uh, guests because my thought was, you know, if I'm going to live stream a treadmill 100 mile race, it's going to be like super boring to watch if there's not some other <laughs> form of entertainment going on. So we were very fortunate to have you come on and talk during that for a little bit too. So that was kind of a fun, uh, fun way to uh, kind of see, see what you were up to and, and learn about your story a bit. But um. <clears throat> Yeah, sorry, did you were just say something or? No, I just said, uh, yeah, it was really cool to be part of that. Um, and it was fun. Yeah, it was just, it was cool to be part of it. Yeah, so it's like a different, a little bit of a different mindset, I think, with the treadmill. That's the thing that yeah. sort of shocked me the most. And I think you do a fair bit of treadmill running. So maybe you were able to get over this hurdle a little better than, better than I was. But I went in, I think, thinking, oh, I've done 100 milers on a track. I can, I, my treadmill thing was kind of a, yeah, it's different. I, I, I kind of started to realize that in the, the, the final preparatory phase, but I sort of jumped into that semi last minute when races got canceled for COVID and I had been yeah. training for a track hundred. So I thought, okay, it's just like maybe one more degree of boredom. And then I did like, I think my first like, like legitimate long run on the treadmill for that. And I was like, yeah, this is going to be a little more, yeah. a little more taxing on the mind. It's just, it's just weird. It just feels like, I mean, you mentioned like when someone tells you like, you can't do something, it just like fires you up to get it done. I felt like it, the treadmill almost felt like it was telling me I had to run a certain pace or had to do something. Yeah. And that was like the, the angst in the back of my mind half the time. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and it was, and it, and it's definitely the, 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 the mental strength I think it takes so much mental strength to kind of get through a treadmill 100 because it's just it's just the boredom um I, yeah that was one of my biggest struggles was just really getting bored with just carrying on and just keep going mm -hmm. and one follow-up question I wanted to ask you was when you were telling your story did you pick up running after the amputee or was I did that... um okay. yes and the, the funny story was um is I wasn't a runner at all at school or anything. Um, I kind of, I thought people that ran were crazy. Um, 
I always tell that because it's the truth. And it was like, I would be the kid that would hide in the bathroom when we had track days at school because I hated <laughs> it that much. And I just made up absolutely all the excuses. So when I, and I think that was part of it that suddenly it's weird. Like when something gets taken away, like becoming an amputee, it's suddenly you're faced with things that used to be kind of easy. So you're able to just put on to to um, put on your your running shoes and go out the door and off you go and stuff and there's this this element of there's a extra element that you have you need a prosthetic and you need it's just it gets so much more complicated so you kind of get into this mindset where you get frustrated because you want to do everything that everyone else is doing you want to kind of be a little bit normal in a sense um and that's kind of what drives me a little bit too I think is just you know what no I can do it too and and yeah so here we are Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a, a WMPT on the podcast really early when I first started. And he, he was kind of talking about that a little bit, just like, I think like the general public is relatively naive to what it kind of, I mean, obviously, most people are going to appreciate like, there's going to be some extra hurdles if you're learning to run, continuing yeah. to run with, with a prosthetic, but just like some of the stuff that isn't kind of like the first line of thinking that just adds to the logistics to it. And one thing yeah. he mentioned was, just the part where your where your leg connects to the to the prosthetic is yep. like such a like like a touch and go area. Just kind of like I guess you can maybe liken it to like either potential blisters on feet or if you sprain an ankle and have to manage it a lot, you end up kind of doing that sort of stuff. Exactly. And it's, and it's that part, the socket part is like the, I I always say it's the most important part of the whole prosthetic, because if that doesn't fit, then you're prone to blisters. You're just going to be injured all the time. So you kind of, that is a process in itself just to get right. Um, And yeah, and it can be a really frustrating long process because some, sometimes you're just, they just can't get it right. And then you just struggle to just do a few miles and stuff. So from that point of view, it can be super, super frustrating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And has the prosthetic technology since you've started using it made any kind of big breakthroughs or improvements that you've been able to notice where it's just like, oh, this is kind of a bit of a game changer for me? Um, Not really. They haven't. And it's weird with prosthetics. You'd think it kind of has developed a lot more, but the technology has kind of stayed very similar. I mean, there's been like slight improvements, like it's a lot lighter than when when I first became an amputee, the prosthetic was a lot heavier. So that's kind of helped a lot um, because what happens when the prosthetic is too heavy, you kind of get issues with your hamstring and things because the rest rest of your body is just like pulling this heavy weight all the time. So you're a lot more prone to injury. So that definitely has helped. Um, But like the feet wise, they kind of haven't, there hasn't been new technology that's come out. Um, But there is a lot of research going on at the minute, like um, they're taking in consideration, like they're doing a woman's only research into prosthetics, which is fantastic because it's never been done because majority of the amputees are normally male. So all prosthetics have been built around a male's body. And with this is they kind of taking into consideration female weight, the way we run um, and all that. And it will be interesting to see if it actually makes a difference. Um, so, yeah, it'll be exciting. So there's exciting stuff coming, but it's just it takes a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can imagine just yeah, when you when you mentioned just like the weight of it, creating issues with your hamstring, I started thinking like basically everything up the kinetic chain is probably going to get some variance versus your, your, your non-prosthetic leg and your prosthetic leg. Yeah. Do you notice like muscle development differences or certain like 
aches and pains or sorenesses that kind of flare up on one side versus the other? Um, yeah, and I, I noticed like the the difference in muscle. I noticed that a lot in the beginning when I started running. And the problem is because every, everyone thinks that you're handed a running blade and off you go and run. And it's like simple. And it's not. It's 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 the weirdest and it's the hardest thing to explain. It's when you when you when you're handing this prosthetic, your brain suddenly needs to trust this thing that's strapped onto your leg. And it's not that simple. It doesn't just you don't just go out for a run and you're kind of everything is working correctly on both sides. It's not, you're not balanced at all. Um, and for me, it took me a while to kind of trust the blade um, so I could use all my weight. So what was happening is my muscles were developing really, really well in my good side, but on my prosthetic side, I was getting weaker just because I wasn't using them. And then, and then you kind of get hip issues and it's just because you're kind of thrown off. So I had to do a lot of like balancing exercises just to kind of build a bit of trust with the blade and then eventually you kind of pick it up um i'm more prone to obviously hamstring issues um on my prosthetic side um and then my stump my stump is like i have um my stump's really skinny um and so i kind of get some issues with my tibia and and it's just like little things like that that i wouldn't get on my good side um and it's just it's things you kind of learn to work through and just you kind of in a sense I've become I think and that's where my ultra running experience comes in that you you kind of make peace with a certain amount of pain you know that's kind of going to be the issue and you kind of work around it mm -hmm. yeah you, I'm sure you normalize it to some degree and, it, and it, exactly did was there a like a second transition then getting comfortable when you decided to take your first shot at running on trails yes <laughs> That was interesting. Yeah, I it was. And the thing is, with trail running, it was weird because you have all these people in the back of your head saying that be careful because you're going to fall. You're going to fall because it's really it's not a good thing doing it on a blade. So you have that all in the back of your head. So you, the first time I did trail running, I was so scared because I was like, oh my goodness, this is going to be really, really scary. Um, but then you kind of get used to it, and it's just it's more obviously i mean anyone that goes out to trail running it's a little bit more eye coordination and you kind of have to be observing what you're doing where you're placing your feet and stuff and with a blade it's 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 an extra complication because you can't really feel the ground so you kind of you're kind of on the trails as if you'd have your eyes shut um and you're running kind of blind because you just kind of you go by feel and it's like really hard on the prosthetic but i've become so in tune with my body that I kind of know when my foot's going to be placing. So it's more like keeping an eye on the trail so you don't fall over a rock or catch your blade because the blade kind of curves up a little bit. So you've got more inclined to kind of grab a root and you go flying and stuff. So it's like I had to learn to place my footing a little bit different. So I kind of lift it up a little bit higher than what I would on the road. So it's just so so the the interesting thing is like if I've been running the, the week full of trails, just being out on the trails. If I suddenly just do a few road miles, I notice the difference because I kind of have to, it's just a different type of running. And so it takes me a few miles to kind of get into it, to kind of like, just kind of get into the, the groove again. Yeah. I'm, I would imagine like your hip flexor on yeah. the, on the prosthetic side has to be like incredibly strong when you start doing a lot of the trail running, just because of that extra leg drive, you're going to need to get over exactly. some of the stuff. Yeah, really interesting. I think. Okay, I want to kind of slide into what you what you're currently doing because this is just such a cool project. And you're, I, I should say, I'm very fortunate that you've given me some time to talk to you at the point you're in because you're very much in the thick of it. When I think of like 
hundred mile races, when you get to like 80 miles, you're at that yeah. point where like <laughs> you got so much in your legs. So that fatigue, that mental uh-huh. deterioration, physical deterioration is all there, but you're within the range of probably your longest long run at that time. So you're starting to kind of be able to wrap your head around it. And it's just such a pivotal spot. And you're kind of in like that phase of this project where you're doing a hundred marathons in a hundred days. And I believe what is today, 83 or 84? 85, actually. 85. Today okay. is 85. Yeah. Awesome. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about the project? Is this something that's kind of like out there as like targets for people and you're just now kind of taking your shot at it? Or is this something you kind of came up with? Um, no, it is actually a world record. Um, the female record um, was 95 consecutive days in 95 days. Oh, yeah. 95 marathons in 95 days. Um, and it kind of popped up on social media and I was like, oh, and I, um, and it was, ta- I think it was done, was it done last year or the year before? I think it was kind of, because it's a world record, it always takes long to kind of get, you know how it goes. Yeah, yeah. it's like a whole process. Um, and so I'd seen it on, so and I was like, oh, this might be an interesting project. And again, I kind of take things on without thinking it through. I'm like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll do that. Let's see what happens. And and I was like, I didn't want to stop at the 95. I'm like, I can just as well finish it at, at 100. 100 would be a nice rounding. Um, and that's kind of how it started. And I've got, and this is such an ultra runner mindset is because I've got Moab 240 in October. So I thought this will be a great base building yeah. exercise. <laughs> I'm like really, so it's kind of kind of that, and then I and then I started, um, and then I thought it would be a good way to show people what you can actually achieve if you put your mind to it, and that, and again on my whole thing of that you're stronger than you think, and you've got so much more that you can give, and that was kind of the thing, and then I added in a bit of a um, a charity element to it because. Um, for me, running blades are so expensive. Like they, they cost like $10,000 for the first, like my first one cost $10,000. And the problem is in the US, the insurance companies don't actually cover it. So that's normally out of pocket, um, which is really frustrating because for me, running running really helped me mentally too, to kind of cope with what I was going through and just being an amputee and stuff. And it just made it kind of added that perspective and it just really, really helped. So I'm a big advocate for that. Um, so that's kind of how the project started and yeah, here we are on day 85. Um, yeah. And it's been, it's been super interesting. Yeah, no doubt. And I have some questions about kind of how this has all gone, but before that, do you, is there a a link or a spot people can go to, to donate to the the fundraising? It's it's actually in my, um, if you're on my Instagram account, it's actually in my description. Um, so it's on, there's a link there, um, on NC runner, Jackie. Um, so it's just, yeah, I've just put it in the bio. Perfect. Well, we'll put that in the show notes. And then okay, when cool. I do the, the pre, the pre-show recording, I'll make sure I mention the, the, the name of it and stuff like that too. So if folks are interested in helping someone out, get their, their first set of prosthetics or single prosthetic, be cool. they'll be, <laughs> I think there'll <laughs> probably be some interest there. So, uh, yeah, that's so, that's really cool. Um, so you're 85 in, yes. uh, I have one quite or one topic, I guess, before I get into some of the questions that got sent in. And that was, uh, at one point, I, when I was following this, this was probably, you were, I don't even know if you were midway through yet. You, uh, you had done a marathon that day, but you had taken like maybe an extended break between the start yeah. and the finish. And you got a little pushback from, I guess, the marathon streaker community and, <laughs> and decided to go out and do a second marathon that day, just to make sure your, your, 
your streak was uh, had no blemishes on it. Is that yeah. correct? Yes, that's correct. Um, I think that was like day 35 or something. Okay. Um, and that was rough because I'm, yeah, I mean, you obviously want to play by the rules. Um, and the, the problem with, with all these things, the rules are interpreted differently. Everyone interprets the rules differently and that's just kind of what it is. And so I thought um, I had some childcare issues and things. So I had done a half in the, mar- the morning and I kind of had to come home and make sure my kids were okay. Cause I was signed up for a marathon, but it kind of, I had to kind of change it to a, a half. And so we kind of split the run up that day. And I obviously, I made, unfortunately went and put it out on social media that I had split the run up just because of what was happening. And so I got a lot of pushback from quite a few people that just said, well, it didn't count. It doesn't count. And that is the issue. And I was like, I got a little concerned because I'm like, if you're doing this, you want to do it correctly. So you don't want to just from a technicality kind of lose where you're at. Um, and to be honest, the the record was the, that started the idea, but it wasn't the only thing why I was doing this. So it was kind of in the grand scheme of things. I'm like, does it really matter? Um, but again, I'm, I'm always like, I have to do everything correctly. Um, so, (laughs) so I did, and then I kind of got that pushback and I was like, oh my goodness, if I kind of, if this doesn't happen, then, I mean, it would just be sad. So I went out and ran another full marathon, which nearly broke me. It was hard to do. And I literally finished it within, I think it was six, was it four or six minutes? before the 12 o'clock because you obviously have to do it within the 24 hours yeah. and I'm like I don't know how I managed to do it um and it's just like because if I run a 50 miler I'm so much more prepared like nutritional wise it's just a different it's a different ball game and it's just I noticed that two days later because obviously I hadn't I hadn't fueled correctly for this because it just wasn't time so I just so like two days later, like my body kind of, it kind of, I started struggling just because from a nutritional point of view, it was trying to catch up. So it was like, it was, it was a bit of a mess, but somehow I pulled it off and I kind of, yeah. And I kept going. So I'm like, it, it, it partly it kind of showed me again, like how strong you can be and how, how you can push your body kind of to the break, but still, it's still the next day. I kind of, I went to bed, recovered, obviously went to bed much later because I'd finished this so late, mm. but kind of semi-recovered and got up and then managed to do the next one. So it's just, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. When I saw that, my mind first went straight to when you hit a hundred days, they better say 101 marathons in a hundred <laughs> days. <laughs> <laughs> so many people say that and every time I post everyone's like no like today I'll be 85 and yeah. I always have someone saying no you're on 86 you're on 86 it? yeah <laughs> great yeah so so there's that and then yeah there's so many things that kind of like you could potentially roll into from a scenario like that like I mean you mentioned you finished within minutes of uh the clock turning over so that automatically means you're staying up well past midnight that night because I'm sure yeah. you're going to want to clean up get some exactly. food in you wind down it's you know it's probably 2 a.m by yeah. the time you fall asleep yeah. and yeah and then uh you know I mean depending on what your next day looks like it sounds like you're not just doing this you're kind of carrying on with at least some of your normal life along the way too and uh I think that's almost the reality in most cases when a third of the year is going towards a project but it it's like it's not like you could just say oh wait, well tomorrow I'll just do my marathon at like 1 p.m and sleep in yeah. and then kind of <laughs> gradually inch it back earlier in the day 
you sort of have to just like absorb that and probably pay a little bit of an, an energy price for a couple yeah. of days perhaps. And then just like a little bit of a sleep deprivation price. And, and then obviously any of the aches and pains that come along with uh, the 30 some odd marathons you'd had in your legs already. Exactly. Exactly. And it, yeah, it was, it was definitely hard. Mm-hmm. And one of the, one of the questions that kind of uh, popped up multiple times when I mentioned that I was going to be having you on was just the whole idea around how you are approaching this from like a fueling standpoint, a recovery standpoint, like sleep at night. Is there, did you, I guess maybe the way I want to ask this, cause this is like, it's so interesting. Cause you don't know, right? Like, it's not oh. like you're doing this for a third or fourth time and you have precedent. So I'm sure you went in with like, here's the strategy that I think is going to be the, the way to do this. And then there's going to ultimately be what ends up working and how yeah. that kind of plays out. So did your original idea from that sort of thing, like time of day running, fueling, winding down at night, getting up, sleeping, all that stuff. What did that look like in the planning process? And then how did it maybe evolve once you got going and started realizing any of the differences that you weren't able to maybe account for without knowing? Yeah, it's it's weird because I in the beginning, I kind of went into a little bit naive, especially with nutrition wise. I just I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to eat as much as I can, just calorie wise, doesn't matter what I eat, just make sure I kind of get all the calories in and just so I can keep going because that's what your body needs. And what I've learned um, is that I had to kind of, after a while, it's like, I noticed I wasn't getting the, what I needed. So I was eating all this, these calories, but it was, it was actually, it wasn't what I, my body actually needed. So I kind of had to kind of hone it down a little bit. So kind of focus a little bit more on making sure I kind of get an overall diet, like make sure there's enough protein, make sure there's enough carbs. It's just kind of just make it more balanced and a little bit healthier in a sense. Um, just so I know that my body's kind of getting it, um, getting everything and the weird thing was also what I struggled with is some days I was super hungry and then other days I just couldn't touch anything um like and those are the those were the hard days because it's like you know you need to eat but you just can't stomach any food anymore um and then I kind of changed that to a little bit I added into a little bit of a liquid diet so I kind of I have some tailwind so I just used that a little bit and it's it's got heaps of sugar in, but it kind of what, what I needed at that time is just to kind of keep myself going. Um, and it's been, it's been tough kind of finding the balance of eating right, then um, getting your recovery in and then sleeping. And I just assumed going into this, I'd be super tired and I'd sleep really, really well. But the <laughs> reality is your body's kind of trying to recover. So I'm like waking up with like, my legs are just really restless. It's just like everything's hurting a little bit. So it's just kind of your body's, your body's kind of fighting you a little bit in a sense and just trying to recover. Um, but it's kind of got a little bit easier to deal with. And you kind of then you, you kind of get used to the routine a little bit more and you kind of get into a rhythm um, and just kind of just keep your body just kind of learns to repair a little bit quicker and it just becomes a little bit smarter um and definitely kind of getting into nutrition like um because literally we I actually went and bought a nutrition uh, a book because I was like I'm obviously doing something wrong because I'd never done this kind of it, it was like this is like totally new territory to me so we just 
had to kind of do a little bit more research into it a little bit just because obviously it wasn't working what I was doing I mean I was yeah I was just kind of not winging it in a sense but I just assumed I could just eat whatever because that's was the question I get a lot is like surely you're just eating everything you want to and yeah. just going for it and I'm like yeah in the beginning it was kind of like that what well, that's what you assume and it, and that's definitely not the case so it's it's been yeah so so no I've got a system that works um I mean time wise it's always been tricky like I I had a plan I was going to start at seven o'clock in the morning and that was it and I'd be be finished by the time the kids get home and stuff and some days you have like really long days like some days my body just is tired and it just is going to be a rough day um being outside sometimes it's like the temps are like really really high so you kind of have to take that into consideration kind of beats up your body a little bit more and you're slower so it's kind of things don't always go kind of to plan you kind of have to I've learned I've had to be a little bit more flexible with like time wise knowing that it's going to take a bit longer um and then it's yeah it's just kind of just kind of working with it and like listening to your body and just kind of going going with that Hey folks, this is just a quick reminder that this episode's sponsors are Ice Barrel and Ultimate Direction. Ice Barrel makes cold water immersion product and Ultimate Direction makes packs, belts, bottles, and vests to store your gear and water while out being active. You can head to the show sponsor page at zachbetter.com forward slash HPO sponsors. Links are also in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I know this, but some of the listeners probably don't. You're actually in Arizona doing this. So I am. Uh, I lived in Arizona <laughs> for about four years, and I know what it gets like once March ends and April starts getting into things. You start running out of too many windows of ideal running. You can maybe get out at five, six in the morning and still catch yeah. the decent weather. But uh, when you're doing a marathon every day and it's not a guarantee that you're going to be able to get out that early. In fact, it's probably counterproductive to force yourself out of bed when exactly. you can afford to sleep a couple extra hours. Yeah. Is, uh, are, are you skewing a lot of your more midday or later in the day runs to uh, treadmills because of that? Or are you trying to get outside as much as you can? Because I can imagine being outside maybe is a little more enjoyable, even with the extended heat. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, um, I'm doing a kind of, I want to say I'm probably doing about 50, 50 kind of thing, just because like on, for example, on Saturday, I went out and when I started, it was like 66. And by the end, it was like 104, mm. which kind of knocks you quite badly. And it's like, it's like, you're kind of getting to the point where is this very smart doing this kind of out in this heat. Um, so it's kind of just a, it's kind of finding that right balance and I, I hundred percent prefer being outside, but I, I also feel that, um, if it's really, really hot, it just knocks my body a lot more. And then the recovery is a lot slower. And then it kind of has as an effect for the next day and stuff like that. And so with this whole project, I've kind of learned, I've had to be really smart about it. Whereas normally I'm quite stubborn with these things and I kind of just like keep pushing it and stuff but I've my my key goal has been to stay to not get injured um so it's just and and being smart about it so I can kind of make it for the next day and just kind of keep going Mm -hmm. yeah I would think like uh, hydration would be almost impossible to stay on top of with those type of temperatures during the act itself so then you're you're kind of in a position where 
you're that as soon as you finish the clock starts in terms of getting rehydrated and, and uh-huh. optimally prepared for the next day. And, you know, to some degree, just catching up on hydration is probably going to delay recovery. So you exactly. don't want to roll that, roll those <laughs> dice too many times. Uh, but yeah, it sounds like you kind of have a pretty good rotation to, to manage with it. Uh, and did I see that correctly, that you're kind of, you're targeting Boston as one of your final marathons? It's not going to be, unfortunately, it's the way that it worked because originally Boston wasn't on the plan, but it's going to be Marathon 92 okay. um, when I'm out there. So it's kind of, it was a shame it couldn't have been like Marathon 100. That would have yeah. been like ideal, but it just didn't work out. So it's it's interesting because I get into Boston at Friday at 5 a.m. Um, so it's it's going to be interesting because I'm going to be sleep deprived a little bit. So it's a little risky. But I'm like, you know what, it's the back end of it. It's like kind of, so I'm like, there's an element of me. I'm like, just going to have to suck up those. Like, it's going to be really rough the last few days. And it's, I've never got into Boston Marathon with like the day before I'm running a marathon and then running a marathon and then my recovery run's going to be a marathon. So it's, it's a weird concept. Um, but yeah, so it, it, it will be nice to be out there um, and just kind of, yeah, just have a bit of fun with it. And it's just, it's, it's a little bit different because I'm not going to in such be racing it this year. I'm just kind of just literally going to try and survive it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what the name of the game is with something like this, I suppose is surviving it. But uh, yeah. And I guess like some of it I see, I think it's probably cool. Yeah. You're gonna have the energy of a, an event, a, a different route, yeah. uh, different weather. Just like, I think when you get into these kind of more monotonous type of uh, projects, I think sometimes anytime you can have a, an element of change, yeah. assuming the hurdle isn't massive to get to that, which to a degree flying to Boston and flying back eventually probably before you get done is a hurdle but it may be just a nice way to kind of mix it up a little bit and rest your mind from your, your typical treadmill setup and whatever routes you're using at home outside. Exactly. And it's because with this, with this whole, this whole project, the mental element has been the hardest just from a point of view is like, cause you're doing the same every day and then the routes are kind of similar. Um, and it's just like, Oh man, this is getting really boring. And it's just like, it's kind of fighting through all that. It's just like you get up in the morning and you're like, oh, I need to do another marathon. And it's just like, all you actually want to do is sleep and just like do normal things. Like just like kind of do something else that isn't like another marathon. So that's kind of the, (laughs) that's definitely been one of the most challenging. So the Boston thing will be, I mean, it's going to be super challenging time-wise and stuff, but it is, it's going to be nice just to be somewhere different and it's going to be so much cooler than in Arizona. So that, that will be quite nice. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You'll feel like you have a, a third lung probably for some of that. Probably. <laughs> Just <dealing with> the <laughs> heat. Yeah. Awesome. So when, when you started, did you go in thinking like, I need to try to hit a specific average of calories per day to maintain weight? I know with some projects like this, people will intentionally gain some weight going in so that they're kind yeah. of you have, so they don't have to have such an upfront calorie demand. They can kind of like scale into it so to speak versus going all the way up to whatever it is you probably have to take in on a date of it to just manage your weight yeah um i mean i kind of yeah i i had gained a little bit of weight before i started this um and just it's definitely been challenging to make sure I get the enough calories and stuff that i'm not losing weight because that's definitely something because it's it's funny because 
and I think it's all the marathon runners, everyone assumed I'd be losing weight. And I'm like, no, that's not kind of, that's not what you really want to do. Obviously, I mean, I had a little bit of a buffer, so I could lose a little bit of weight, but you want to maintain an optimum weight to kind of keep your energy going and just kind of working out your calories and stuff. So it took me, I think the, like the first two weeks just to kind of work it out exactly what I needed, what my body needed and stuff. Cause you just, you don't know. I mean, it's like, going into like if you were just doing a standalone 100 miler you know what you need but like doing this every day you just don't know what your body's gonna how your body's gonna react and how much of that energy and how much you're burning and what pace you're going to be running at because that obviously influences it a little bit too and and stuff so it's just kind of getting that balance right Mm -hmm. yeah i had a ray did you know raise a hat by any chance Uh, yeah yeah so he he came on my podcast a while ago and he was talking about some of that stuff because he's just so many like long expedition type things. I was just uh-huh. like, okay, what does this guy find works and doesn't work and how big of a difference they make? And he, if I'm remembering properly, I think he did, he did the transcontinental run twice. And the one, of, I think the first time he did it, he kind of just did it like kind of as in a depletion manner, more or less. It was <laughs> like he ate when he was hungry and just tried to do his best yeah. he could, but didn't like overthink it too much and ended up losing like somewhere in the neighborhood of like 30 pounds and said, you know, at first, like that was his first experience. Like, well, maybe this is just the reality of this sort of thing. And then the second time he did it, he had a little better of a process and a, found a way to be able to get in enough fuel. And I think lost like just maybe a few pounds. And he said it was just night and day difference when he was yeah. able to stay on top of that. It's like, yeah. if you can keep your body from like fighting itself as well exactly. as, you know, it's like just one less, one less wrench thrown into the mix of things. And, and I found that really interesting. So I think it's like, finding finding some foods that are like tolerable even on like a semi queasy stomach I'm sure is like a huge priority and then yeah and then finding a way to get enough of it in so that you're not having like multiple days in a row where you're kind of really depleted is is probably the next step there but yeah and that's the thing and it's just like you don't want to get to that point where you're totally depleted Mm -hmm. um because then it's it's so hard to come back from that and just kind of just kind of to keep going and then we kind of open up the realm of getting injured again because it's just you're so deplete it's just it's such a vicious circle on it and it definitely has been the hardest to kind of get that right um because I mean going into it I had no idea and it's just kind of been a learning process of what my body needs and how far I can push it um uh, before it gets totally depleted and stuff so it's been like an interesting um but I'm kind of I I kind of I'm I've promised everyone I'd kind of document like what I've been eating and what like nutrition wise, what's worked and stuff. So I kind of, I'm working on that so we can just have a little bit more detail into it. Um, Cause I think that would be quite useful. So people can know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sure people would be really interested to see like a, uh, a daily nutrition, daily like nutrition catalog yeah. on your Instagram <laughs> that, yeah. I mean, people probably geek out on that. Is so you mentioned before, like once you got going, you started realizing like there are certain like types of foods that that you can get away with on days when your stomach isn't quite as as welcoming. Is there like a few food groups that you're just like these have been my savior here? There's these ones I can usually count on even when my stomach's on in its worst, and you find them in your routine quite frequently. In my routine, quite for it's like um, like potatoes. I do I do a lot of potatoes and stuff. Um, 
it's kind of I was using a lot of like when I was really struggling with um, getting nutrition in I was using I was also kind of mixing it in with some spring energy gels just because it's a little bit it's more of more kind of liquidy and it's just a little bit easier on the gut so kind of just honing in on that um, and then I've always been a big fan of like just like peanut butter um, on absolutely everything and it's just yeah. kind of just getting that a little bit in um, and yeah it's just kind of my my gut can like get really really sensitive um, and yeah so it's kind of I feel like I'm living off like potatoes peanut butter and, <laughs> <laughs> and a bit of yogurt yeah. So it's like it's been weird. It's like you, 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 and and yeah, your 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 body just changes, and like you crave different things at different times and stuff. And then you kind of what it, what it's taught me is to really listen to what my body needs and stuff. So like if I start craving like really like really strong like protein like chicken or something like that then I know okay I'm obviously depleted in that I need to kind of up it a little bit and that kind of just like kind of listening just to make sure that you kind of your body tells you what you need I'm I'm a big believer of that I just feel like my body's always telling me you need a little bit more salt or you need a little bit of this and stuff so yeah mm-hmm yeah, I'll notice that sometimes in longer races too, you'll hit like certain phases and like you'll go into like an aid station or something. You're just like, I'm just, you, you'll see something at an aid station and it just triggers the sensation. Like, like, for example, I'll see like potato chips and all of a sudden like my body will be like, grab that because it's like wants the salt yeah. probably. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, other times it's like, you go straight, like you see like a piece of watermelon. It looks like better than anything we've ever seen before. It's like, yeah, you're probably <laughs> it tastes a little like the best thing ever yeah. too. Yeah. And it's like, oh, <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. So you get, you get these like weird, like it is, it sounds weird. It sounds like there's no way there's any science behind it, but that is more or less what's recommended in even single day ultra marathons to a degree is to kind of trust your intuition yeah. uh, to a certain degree, as long as you're getting in the right amount of stuff. Like if you go into an aid station and salty, savory looks good, probably that's what you need. Salty. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, exactly. That's yeah, because of- a while back I was like, I had so it was the weirdest thing. I was like, oh my goodness, it kind of I had this like really bad craving for roast chicken. That's all I wanted was roast chicken. And yeah. I'm like, obviously, I was like depleted in something and uh, in protein and stuff. So it's kind of like, yeah, you kind of work with it and it just it's weird. And it's just like, why do I really want that right now? And it's just, yeah. Um yeah. Were there any food groups that you went in thinking like, I love this food item. This is going to be a staple in my routine. And then once you got into the thick of it, we're just like, I can't even look at this anymore. Um, I think it was probably like, I, I saw like pizza cause I'm like a big pizza eater. And I thought, yeah, that's going to be definitely. And it's like the first week I kind of had a few slices of it. And then I just like, Oh, I can't, I really can't do this anymore. I'm like, no, I need some real food. Yeah. There's too many <laughs> flavors like, coming at you. With yeah. It's like, no, no. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so generally speaking with recovery, I mean, I like to think like, take care of the big pillars first, which is what we've kind of been talking about getting enough sleep, yeah. getting enough, uh, nutrition, hydration, and those things. Then there's the other pillar, which is kind of like the proper workload or stressor and recovery, which you're kind of breaking all the rules for that by the nature of this project. But that's just kind of, that's the, that's the excitement of it is you try to get through that as long as you can. Uh, but are you doing anything specific, like between sessions other than kind of resting to help prepare your body? I know there's like all sorts of different, like 
foam rolling techniques, stretching rep techniques, like soaking, like yeah. compression. So are, is there anything that stuck out to you as like, this has been something, if I just can get this in after each run or before each run, it just makes it that much better. Um, definitely soaking. Cause I'm, I, I always kind of stay after my run. I always take a bath and I just soak my muscles. Um, that's definitely like, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely work. Um, the other thing too, is I've had to make sure that after each run, and I think because with this whole project, <clears throat> when I started, I wasn't sure how my stump would react. And that was the big unknown factor because with having this prosthetic kind of attached to your leg, I could get my tibia, I could get major issues with my tibia, um, hamstring, um, skin breakdown is kind of all that kind of, you just don't know. So I've been like going into it as a mindset, being very, very careful. And so my routine is very much, I ice my stump every night, like clockwork because of the, because it swells up quite badly, especially at the back of my knee. Um, and it's like, I hundred, hundred percent recommend, like, just if you're an amputee, just that like clockwork has worked with me. Um, and yeah, I think it's just really helped to make sure that my stump, because I haven't touch wood, I haven't had like major issues with it. I've just had like elements where my bone is a little bit, is just really sensitive and stuff. And I think that's kind of just being careful with that. Um, I mean, obviously I have been doing the foam rolling. Um, I've been, I've got a massage gun, which has been great. Um, so it's just kind of all those standard things, but the thing going into this, I was actually really bad at recovery that wise. So it's, um, so this whole project kind of got me into a better routine. It's kind of forced me into that routine because it's just, again, it's just, staying on top of all that so you don't get injured going into it because I've had loads of people ask me but how have you not injured yourself how have you not like are your knees fine are you this and stuff and I'm like it's just being very careful and just making sure you're kind of staying on top of on top of all those kind of routines um and just kind of so yeah so my my recovery so that's kind of I have to take that into consideration like you do your run, but then you have this whole long recovery process afterwards. So you kind of need to kind of factor in before you can go to bed and stuff, just to make sure everything you're staying on top of it all. Mm -hmm. Is there a, a typical timeline of like, when you add it up, like everything that goes into being able to do a marathon each day where you're like, I need X number of hours to make sure I can do all the things I need to do to do this. Right. Um, I would probably say you need about, um, at least seven hours, like just to kind of just kind of get the run in and then just kind of do all your recovery and stuff like that. And obviously if you're kind of going a little bit longer with your marathons, then that kind of backs up a little bit. So it's kind of, it's a long day because it's not just, you're not just doing the marathon. You kind of, it's all that kind of, that goes on behind the scenes that people don't see and like all that add on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause I think it's easy to think like, oh, well, your average time is this and think that's what the chunk out of the day has been reality. It's probably, you know, it gets close to double that some days when you yeah, add in everything else. Exactly. Exactly. Goes along. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And have you noticed that you're sleeping more per night or is that kind of uh state constant to what you normally do or even less maybe? I'm, I'm actually sleeping less. I feel with this just because my muscles are trying to recover and it's just like, you're, you're so much more restless. Um, and yeah, yeah, it's been interesting. And the, the problem with my stump too, is just because of the pounding, it's like at nighttime when the muscles kind of, when you're relaxing those, those 
every single nerve it feels like it kind of is like it just lights up it's and it's pulsating. just yeah. yeah it's it's so annoying <laughs> yeah. so I'm kind of at night like trying to like massage my stomp and stuff just to kind of calm it down a little bit um so that's that's been one of the challenges um it's just it's obviously I mean it's held up really well but it's super angry it's just like what are you doing mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> That's another thing that Ray Zahab told me too, was he said in his normal life, like he's the type of guy who eight to nine hours a night when he's just doing his normal routine. If he does, if he starts getting less of that, he starts struggling, but then he goes out on these expeditions that are sometimes like, you know, months long and he'll be like getting down to four to six hours a night. And for whatever reason, it doesn't seem to negatively impact him during the event itself. Yeah. It's like, there's a switch your body flips once it commits to the the process of what you're doing and just kind of accepts it at a certain point and then you just exactly exactly and that's that's where I'm fascinated with our bodies because it's just it does it adapts and it just it is there is a switch and it's like well this is the job we have to do and it kind of just gets into the routine and kind of gets used to well you're surviving on so many hours sleep that's fine and tomorrow you're going to kind of do another marathon and it's just it's just incredible mm-hmm yeah. And one other thing I was going to ask you, when you do the the tub soaks, do you put Epsom salt in there ever? I do. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I was going to ask because you, when you mentioned like your legs getting restless, I was thinking for me sometimes, like, obviously I don't have this perspective, but when I've had races in the past where I'll wake up and my legs just feel like they cannot wrestle down, settle down. Usually magnesium is something that yeah. helps with that. So yeah. I was yeah, curious been... if you've probably thought of all these things at this time. <laughs> You almost have to, to get to 85, I think. So it's, that, uh, yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Um, yeah. And I don't want to take up too much more of your time, Jackie, because I know you're still gearing up for your, your run today. Um, but yeah, is there anything else you wanted to chat about in terms of like the project itself? Uh, oh, I, you know what? I do have one other question. I'm sorry. I okay. forgot. <laughs> is there, and, and I can appreciate maybe this blends a little bit, but can you think of like a day where it was just like, this one felt better than any other day. And then the opposite of the spectrum, I think I might know where this one is, but like one where it was just like, that was the worst it could have gotten. There's no way it's getting worse than that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously with um, day 35, when I had to do back to back, I mean, there was a point where I was like, this is it. I don't think I can do this. I'm like, it was like, you break down in tears and it's just like, you know what? I just... I'm done. I'm so done. But it's like, there's an element then where, I mean, I've been with hundred milers and stuff where you, you, you hit that wall and you just like, you can't see going past that. And you're just kind of, so, but then you take a deep breath and you kind of regroup, have a little bit of fuel. And then you're like, you know, I can do this. And then you kind of just, you kind of get into that mindset where you just kind of get the job done. It's just like survive. And then I normally, what I do is then I break it down. I'm like, just get to the next mile. And that's what I did with, with, when I did the, 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 the two, um, it was that, that evening run. Um, I just like focused on just get to the next mile. That's what you have to do. Just get, get to the next mile. You just kind of, kind of play these mind games with yourself. And then you kind of try and celebrate each mile, even though you're, you're like dead and you just wanted to be done and stuff like that and then the weird thing is like a few days later your body kind of bounces back and then you have this fantastic pace is all going really well everything just works that day and just like you just feel like amazing so I'm kind of so I've learned to kind of not take the bad days to heart so it's just like accept the bad days because 
the next day can be a good day. And there's just like kind of go with the flow a little bit because it's like, it's your one part is your body's fighting you a little bit. And then the, the other part, it's like, it just recovers and you kind of just get on with it and you can have another good day. And it's just like, it is, it feels a bit like a roller coaster at the minute, like good days, bad days. And it's like, it's all kind of blending in a little bit. Um, but I hang on to the good days and just like, you know what, those were the, those, those days will come again. And it's like just working with that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You kind of have to compartmentalize your thought process. I'd imagine. Cause if you get yourself thinking about like when you had your really bad day, 35 in, if you were thinking like, oh man, if it's this bad now, what's it going to feel like when I'm at 80, 90, you know, that could be the end of it. So you sort of have to kind of limit how far you let your mind drift (laughs) off to, which can be tough sometimes, I think. And that's, and that's kind of how I've been approaching it is just focusing on the, the, that day, like that marathon that I'm at and just, just staying there and just like not trying to, oh, wow, I'm trying to get a hundred and like looking that far. Cause it can be that, that goal can be quite scary. And like how, like, yeah, if you're having a bad day and it's like, oh man, how's it going to feel when I get there? Um, so yeah, it's just like focusing on now and just take it one, one, one day at a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's incredibly impressive. I think I'm going to try to time the release of this podcast for the day that you do your hundredth. And cool, that would be cool. <laughs> yeah, I think that'll be a fun, fun. One. It should work out pretty well that way. Okay, uh, cool, cool. Is there uh, one last question though? Is there any? Uh, and I could appreciate that this is like a game time decision. But when you get to a hundred, do you think there's any incentive where you'd be like, "Screw it, I'm going to do a couple more." I might do. <laughs> <laughs> it's me. I'm like, you never know with me. I'm like, I might get to a hundred. Oh yeah. I'm feeling good. Let's just keep going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You start thinking about, well, if I physically can, why not see how long I can stretch this out? Exactly. Exactly. But then you're, then you're probably going to be relegated to treadmill exclusively at that point. Cause you'll be getting into the thick of things. True. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Arizona weather is quite brutal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you definitely get your, your share of challenges this time of year. But um, I know you're on Instagram and that's where you've been putting yes. up a lot of this stuff. But what are the other, where, first of all, where can we find you on Instagram and where else? Is there any spots you want to send our listeners if they want to check in on what you're up to? I'm on Twitter. So that's NC Runner Jackie and then Instagram NC Runner Jackie. So either, either those. And yeah, if anyone's got any other questions and stuff, I mean, send me a message. Um, if I haven't answered anything. Perfect. And for when this, when this one releases, the listeners will have a hundred days worth of motivation to draw from (laughs) if they want to use Instagram or other social media channels as a way to get themselves out there and get their work done. So uh, thank you so much, Jackie, for taking some time and uh, sharing your experience and everything you're doing. And I'm very much looking forward to you hitting that triple digit Oh, thank you. Thank you. And thank you for having me on. (laughs) Absolutely. Take care and have a great number 85. Thank you very much. All right. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Human Performance Outliers podcast with Zach Bitter. All right, folks. If you are interested in adding some structure to your training program, I have some options that might interest you. Over on my website, ZachBitter.com, I have a wide range of ready-made plans that have options for beginners to advanced endurance athletes. I also have personalized plan options where I will cater a plan specific to the event you are preparing for and your personal schedule and training availability. 
You can also access a variety of add-on options from email collaboration to consultation calls to help guide you through your training and nutrition needs. You can access these with or without a formal plan. So head over to ZachBitter.com and let me know what you think.